Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Sports Daily, a reaction Monday, a big-time reaction Monday. Glad to be here with you today on this Monday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers with us today producing. As always, we've got some HTO to give away on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I know everybody is, a lot of people are off work celebrating the holiday today. Uh, So we'll hang with you. We will get to, of course, playoff football in the NFL, including the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, We will have that for you. We'll have all kinds of good stuff for you. Glad to be here with you on Sports Daily. Tommy, how are you this morning? Man, busy weekend. A lot of uh, of games going on. Of course, we had the the Chiefs game on Saturday night. I know we'll get to some college football drama. If you're a KU football fan over the weekend, Shockers played, Jayhawks played, Wildcats played. I mean, it was a busy weekend. We're right in that middle of the NFL playoffs conference season in college basketball a lot to get to today yeah it's uh it, it is a wild wild monday we've got reactions aplenty on it so you know the the interesting thing for me tommy and i gotta know this because i've been wondering this i i i just want to know like for chiefs fans are you like you and many others like no chance this team has to win a super bowl I would have to imagine you've changed your mind on that, right? Well, I mean, you're putting words in my mouth. I never said there was no chance that they could win a Super Bowl. I think you said this team's not winning a Super Bowl. What I've said is the way that they get to that point, there's an incredibly narrow path, and they have to play a certain way to get to that point. They played that way on on Saturday. They did. I mean, it was led by their defense. It was led by, you know, an essentially clean game. I know they had a late turnover, but really it was an essentially clean game. Patrick Mahomes played really well, and they ran the football well with Isaiah Pacheco. That's their path to have a deep playoff run and ultimately get into the Super Bowl. So I never thought that there is no path for them. I mean, Tommy, you have have given me so much grief for saying this team still had a chance to win a Super Bowl. For weeks and weeks, you acted like I was the crazy man Screen like 
I, I, I've always thought that this defense could let this team win a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying this as you particularly, as a lot of people. Like, I felt like I was on an island, and I couldn't figure out why I felt like I was on an island when a team with Patrick Mahomes had that kind of defense. I know they weren't playing well, and they may not win a Super Bowl. I still don't even think they're the, fav- they're the third favorite in the AFC. But it's just, like, at some point, I, I, we have to realize there is a path, and there was a path, and there always has been a path. They had to get to that path. It was a really rocky road to get to that path. You know, I think the path looked like the path for, I don't know, maybe halfway through the season, and it took them until, what, week 16 to get there probably? But they got there, and that's what we saw. And and listen, Miami's not as good as their record would indicate they're also they very injured decimated by injuries. They're, yeah. Like yep. they're, that. So I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the win. I just like, as I've watched them play, this is way too, like, it's very clear to me how they can do it. They can do it ex- almost exactly that way. You know, you've got two guys that can catch the ball basically that you can lean on. That's it. But you also have a good running back. You have great defense and you have Patrick Mahomes. I think that's enough. I really do. I think that's enough for them to win a Super Bowl. The other thing that stands out about that to me is it travels. It doesn't matter where they play. The way that the, the style that they're playing now it doesn't matter where they play. They can play anywhere. You can play that brand. They're not going to light you up. And the other part of it that they've become content to do, and I think this may be even more important, and I hadn't thought about this until late in the year, and they're just going to kick field goals. Like, that's it. They're good. They're totally fine and content kicking field goals. And that's also a different change for this team that I think releases some of the pressure on the offense maybe to play a little bit more loose and free is to just know, like, you know what? Three points might be enough. Like, there have been times with this team where it's like, that's not enough. You've got to score touchdowns. I don't know that that's the case anymore. Yeah, but I think you're misrepresenting the importance of scoring in the red zone and getting into the end zone when you're in the red zone the Chiefs have struggled when it comes to scoring in the red zone they just have and so yeah they might be settling for three points and they walk away saying I guess at least we got three and we've got Harrison Butker but make no mistake about it they want to solve these red zone issues and I've said it multiple different times but they won't solve them they haven't solved them all year I've said it multiple times that while the path is there it's narrow and they have a very 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 small margin of error so sure that travels you know having a a strong defense travels running the ball well travels I'm not arguing with that at all but the same issues that we have been pinpointing all season long they were still there on Saturday night dropped passes Travis Kelsey had a couple of them Uh, penalties Juwan Taylor getting penalized like he has all season long struggling in the red zone the third and short the fourth and short play calling is not there they have had these same issues all season long and they permeated and sure they were able to stay at Arrowhead in the wild card round they took on a Miami team that was decimated by injuries looked like they were kind of allergic to tackling uh, and I get it because it was minus 30 degrees outside I understand that uh, you know the, the elements certainly played into that for sure I think that while there is that path you've got to be extremely careful because you know while they may be super physical defensively and running the ball very well what happens if you fall behind, if you play Baltimore in the AFC Championship and you fall behind by two touchdowns or three touchdowns? Do we feel confident against Baltimore, just as an example, that they can make that up? I'm not sure that they can. 
Well, no, I don't feel confident that they can fall down three touchdowns, but I think they have the defense to not fall down three touchdowns. I, I, I look. We've watched them fall down early in in other games this season. They, sure, you know, the game against the Raiders, they fell down fourteen nothing. I mean, they, they the Bills, the Raiders, they, they, the, yeah. Raiders, the Bills, they fell. Down. Remember that game? They they got down yeah, by multiple touchdowns early in that game. Too. Of course, you can't do that in the postseason, but that's not a part of the formula. Obviously, my sure point is, like, I, of course, they want to score touchdowns in the red zone. They can't, they're not good at that this year. They're yeah. not like they are just not. So, you, like. You have to think about it as, can they win one if they're not good at that because they're not good at that? And I think the answer is yes. Just like, can they win a Super Bowl if they have bad wide receivers? I've said all along, I think the answer is yes. They're not going to all of a sudden have good wide receivers. They've got one who has developed, which has been a nice development, of course. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey will be fine. So, like, I think we have to look at realities with this team. And that was my problem in the regular season, and why I kept saying when it was at its worst, I think this team still can, is because I think there is a way they can play that that you can obviously see now. It just stared us right in the face in that game. But sometimes you just have to say, there, this isn't going to happen. Like, whoa, we just need the receivers to catch the ball. Not going to happen. They're not good. They're not going to do that. One is. The rest are not. Okay. They got to just start. They can't. They got to be able to you know, get those those touchdowns in the red zone. They haven't done a good job of that all year long. I don't know that that's – in fact, I don't I don't think that that's going to change. But I think field goals can be enough against any team. I really do. I think when you play that kind of defense, if you can get one or two touchdowns a game, as long as you're scoring points, right, as long as you're chipping away, as long as you're adding to it just a little bit, this defense and this team is good enough to do it. I think they're better than Buffalo. I don't know that I think they're better than Baltimore, but I think they can beat Baltimore. So, I, I mean, it's right there. And in the NFC, I mean, it's San Francisco and the rest, man. Like, I, I just, I lit in Dallas. I'm a Dallas fan. We know that. I knew Dallas wasn't going to go to the Super Bowl. I just didn't think they were going to lose in that round, right? Like, I, I thought that they would lose at some point, and they'll fire their coach. They don't fire their coach. Like, how many times, Tommy, have we sat here and I told you they are underprepared all the time? Look what I like. Just rinse, wash, repeat. I mean, come on now. But the Chiefs don't have those issues, right? I don't think the Chiefs are going to walk into a game and be underprepared or wildly outcoached. I can remember one time that that's happened and it was the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. That's it. Of all of these games that they've played in the playoffs and all of these things, I can remember one time where you thought, man, they were flat out coached and out game planned in that game, and they were that was that game against the Bucs. It's the only one I can remember. So if you're giving me the playoff team that plays as good a defense as any team in football, has the best quarterback in football, and can run the ball effectively with with arguably the best kicker in the game this year, I'm taking that team all day long. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned it before that, and and I just said it a couple of minutes ago, their margin of error is small. I think the margin of error for any NFL team is relatively small unless you're Baltimore, unless you're San Francisco. All these teams have a way and a style in which they play. Miami's margin of error was very small. They're a high-flying offense, and they weren't able to execute in that way. And so, of course, you know they, they fall apart. So my whole thought in this is that you've got to find different ways 
to make sure that you're backing it up. Like if if the run game isn't there, if I if Isaiah Pacheco can't get it going in their next round, then you've got to find other different ways to generate the offense. Rasheed Rice has blown up, which is awesome. Travis Kelsey, I think that is continuing to find his way in the playoffs. So you've got to you've got to try to expand that margin of error as much as possible. Yeah, well, right, and I again, that's the part where I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to expand the margin of error. I don't know if they're going to be able to do those things because they haven't been able to all year. They have to play their way. They have to play their way to be able to do it, but their way is good enough. And I, I, I've i taken a lot of heat this year for still saying that, even at the rock bottom. But you ha- if that way is played, they can win. Now, if it's not, I, I that's obviously not the case. We've seen that this year, too. We know the answer to that. If they don't play their brand, they're not going to win. Like we've seen them play, we've seen them look, that's when they've looked terrible is when they don't play this brand. So I don't think that, I I don't think anything's going to change between now and a potential Super Bowl. They're not all of a sudden going to become more versatile. They're not all of a sudden going to do anything. They just, like, their margin for error is what it is. If they can't run the ball and they don't play good defense, it's not going to be good enough. But I think they can do those things against any team that remains in the postseason. San Francisco, it might be for Baltimore. But I don't think it is for San Francisco. San Francisco has showed us that if they are down any of their top guys, they are, I mean, they lose games. They've been missing, if any time this year they've been missing a key piece, they've basically just lost the game. And I'd mean like four or five guys. So, and and, and Baltimore, I, I know that I have not given them enough credit. I, I get it. But I got to see Lamar Jackson do this in the postseason. It, it's sort of like Dak for the Cowboys yesterday. Like, I got to see him be able to do it before I'm ready and willing to say, yeah, I'm I'm on board with their playoff run. We haven't seen that so far from Lamar Jackson. Now, injuries have had a lot to do with that over the years, but we do have to see it, right? Dak, is, Dak was right there with Lamar in MVP voting this year, and the same thing happened in the postseason that's been happening. He's been one of the worst playoff quarterbacks the league has ever seen. And so, you know, until we see Lamar Jackson bust that, I just want to see it. That's it. Just let me see it. And then and then I'm in on them. But until then, like, I'm not going to say Houston doesn't have a puncher's chance against Baltimore if that's the way that matchup ends up being. Did you watch Houston play? I mean, come on. I mean, they're, 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 they're as swaggy as you can be. And sometimes that's enough. Now, I don't think, I don't think they'll do it, but I think that they can. I think that they can do it. Baltimore hadn't played a meaningful game in forever. Like that, I don't like that if I'm a Ravens fan. Like when was the last time Lamar Jackson played meaningful minutes? It's going to be like three weeks before he can do that. We're just getting warmed up here on Sports Daily. We have Shreya Slada coming in top of the hour uh, to talk about KU. Lots to talk about with KU. Lance Leipold shuts another rumor down. This one looked like, look at, from from what you can gather in a world that's hard to gather from because it's a lot of speculation and it's a lot of hearsay, it sounds like Washington wanted Lance Leipold and Lance Leipold shut it down. Um, again, like he has. KU fans I know are excited about that. I think KU fans are getting more confident that that won't happen. So we'll get into that. We'll get into a really impressive game by KU basketball. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour with Shreya Slada. We'll give you chances to win some HDO iced tea and coffee we'll do all of that here on sports daily 
When we come back, we'll look as a whole, bird's eye view of Wild Card Weekend and what's coming tonight. That's next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Uh, Tommy, if anybody ever tells you to clear your cache on your computer, don't listen to them. Man, I, I had to do that this weekend, and so I get in today, and everything, everything is, like, reset. It's, like, starting from zero. All the, you know, all the sites that you visit, password. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What a, what a horrible mistake that I made by doing that. Uh, yeah, you lose not, all your passwords, you lose all your logins, all of that stuff is just gone. It, it's not okay. I'm not okay with it. I'll just put it that way. It has been uh, it has been an adventure. Uh, now I'm trying to re- I'm I'm messing with our our web web stream, our video streams settings here constantly. Like I I don't even remember what I had here. Uh, so if you see my image like flipping around and doing somersaults, <laughs> that's what that is. Uh, you can always watch us here, by the way, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Um, so the rest of the wild card weekend, I, I think the headline has, has become the Cowboys certainly as it should, yeah. uh, because that was embarrassing yesterday, but it's not surprising at all, at all. I've told you for a year now that the Cowboys aren't doing anything in the playoffs. They didn't do anything to fix the things that have made them fall flat on their face for years and years and years now. And here we are. I thought it would happen a round or two later. So that part did surprise me. I actually liked him quite a bit this weekend at home. But this is so typical of of the last, goodness, like, I don't know, 15 years? Like, this is what Cowboys football has been. Good regular season, underprepared in the postseason. It's, it's interesting. Tony Romo ran into a lot of having really terrible defenses a lot of those years. That hasn't been the case with the Cowboys the last probably three years. They have been a really good team. And, you know, it's it was my issue with the McCarthy experiment again this year. Is they didn't do anything. They're, we see it in the regular season. We see it all the time. Like, there are just games where they're flat out coached. And this was obviously one where they were at least out prepared. And Dak did his part too. But, I mean, come on now. And now you wonder, do do, do they make changes there? I think the better question is, how do they not make changes there? And I know they've won. What has he won? Like 12 games the last three years? But that's not. I'm I'm the one that's typically like, be careful what you wish for. The grass isn't always greener. But this is the opposite of that. Like, like what are you going to do here? And is anybody on the planet think that Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott are going to win a Super Bowl? They're not going to win a Super Bowl. So what are we doing here? If that's the case. Yeah, the best part about it is that it wasn't just Mike McCarthy and it wasn't just Dak Prescott. It was both of them in the game. It was the way that the team was outcoached. It was the pick sixes that Dak threw in the course of the game. Like it was it was the both of them combined contributed and led to what we saw yesterday against the Packers. On top of that, you've got a Cowboys defense, which has been their strength under Dan Quinn, give up far too many yards and far too many points to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. So it was a perfect storm of everything altogether. And I know you've said that the Cowboys aren't doing anything. I thought they would at least make it 
at least one more round, if not two. I wasn't sure they were going to make it to the Super Bowl, but man, I, I certainly thought that they wouldn't get beat by the at home. Uh, you know, I just everything combined again. I know that the whole thought process throughout the entire year, and it's been reported on multiple different times, that Mike McCarthy would be judged on how the last game went for the Cowboys. Uh, it was not a good last impression that he made on Jerry Jones. So I think that there will, will certainly be changes. I'm just not sure, though, right now, what the direction will be that will be better than what you've got currently. Like, I know the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but... What's a better option out there than Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Cooper oh, Rush? Not, I don't know. No. What's a better option than Mike McCarthy that is a, lots, you know, available lots on the of table right options. now? Really? Lots of I, who, better options than Mike who's McCarthy. Better? Than Mike McCarthy? Uh, Harbaugh? Belichick? Harbaugh's Vrabel? not going to the Cowboys. Belichick is not going to the Cowboys. I could see Vrabel potentially making that happen. But why, why would you, if, if Harbaugh's going to the NFL, what better job could you potentially walk into than the Cowboys who win 12 games every year? The Chargers? He would absolutely go to the Chargers over the Cowboys. Why? To work with Justin Herbert? Come on. Dak Prescott was Dak Prescott was is in the conversation for the league's MVP this year. You think they're going to stick with Dak Prescott after what we saw yesterday? I don't yes. think Dak Prescott's going to get that extension because he would end up being the highest paid player in the NFL. You're out of your well, mind if you think Jerry Jones is going to get Dak Prescott that extension. He doesn't need an extension. He's still under contract. Dak Prescott's the quarterback of the Cowboys next year. Bill was, Belichick is not going to go to the Cowboys, and I've heard a lot of smoke about that. But I don't think that's going to happen because I don't. I can't see Bill Belichick wanting to work with Jerry Jones. Be Belichick is extremely private, doesn't reveal things, and Jerry Jones talks a ton. I just can't see that relationship working. So I think Jim Harbaugh would rather work with a quarterback like Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers are going to snatch him up. And I don't think Bill Belichick wants to go down there and work with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the best owner in football to work I'm not for. saying that he's not. I'm saying that the style in which Bill Belichick performs under, where things are very private, you don't talk about things, and Jerry Jones loves being on the radio, loves talking to the media, I don't think those two styles mix well. So if you look at all the jobs across the league right now, I, I don't think there's much question the Cowboys would be the most attractive in the sense of being able to win games right now, which is what Belichick's going to be looking for more than anything. He's 71 years old. He's not going to go rebuild somebody, and he knows who his quarterback is there. And you can say what you want about Dak in the playoffs, and I would agree with you. Dude threw for 4,500 yards, 36 touchdowns, and nine interceptions this year. And, and last year was the aberration. He did... Almost the exact same thing in 2021. I mean, Dak's had two out of the last three years. He's been basically a top five MVP candidate. Like, I, I, and you know that I'm a huge Herbert guy. Like, 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 and, and I'm, but he's never done anything like that. And so, it's it's your what you're walking and you're walking into Micah Parsons, right? The only thing about the Cowboys that you're walking into that might be troubling is an aging offensive line, and you might lose Mil Will McClay this offseason who's been their draft architect for years and years that's been so good. But if you're looking at jobs across football right now, there won't be a better chance and a more ready-built chance to win next year than Dallas. There won't be. Same, the, the Chargers have a ton of rebuilding to do. And so, I, look, I don't want Bill Belichick to be the coach of the Cowboys as a Cowboys fan. I don't think that's the best fit. But if I'm Bill Belichick, the Cowboys are absolutely the no, best chance in the next two or three years – I don't see it. I, I think the Bill Belichick. What team in the next two or three years will have a better chance to win a Super Bowl than the Cowboys? The, of the jobs the, available. 
I think the Atlanta Falcons, if Bill Belichick has the opportunity to go sign a veteran quarterback or like trade who? for a veteran quarterback, Kirk Cousins potentially Kirk Cousins, is that, on the table. That, that, the rumor's there that he's going back to Minnesota. So if it's well, not Kirk Cousins, who that. is it? Well, obviously we don't know that right now, but we will. If it's not Kirk, you're going to bank your entire rest of your career on maybe being able to sign Kirk Cousins? No. I mean, I think that if you wanted to go and potentially trade for somebody, I think that could be on the table. Justin the, Fields? The Broncos, you think the Broncos you think Justin are wanting Fields to move on? and the Falcons? The Broncos are going to move on from Russell Wilson. I mean, th- there are some veteran quarterbacks okay, out there. Let me there. ask you this question then. Do you think Russell Wilson on the Falcons is a better chance to win a Super Bowl than Dak Prescott and the Cowboys? I think that the Falcons are on the rise. And I think that with the the way that they were able to perform in spite of Arthur Smith, I don't think it's going to take a whole lot for them to win a weak, a weak division and make a run in the playoffs. Absolutely. I think that that's a better fit for Bill Belichick. I think that the Chargers is a better fit for Jim Harbaugh. The one coach that you did mention that I do like a lot that would be a significant upgrade from Mike McCarthy in Dallas is Mike Vrabel. And how great would it be if Mike Vrabel brought Derrick Henry along with him to Dallas at least for a year or two, we know the run game for Dallas is not performing well at all. Tony Pollard is a free agent, and that hasn't worked out well whatsoever. I mean, how great Vrabel and Derrick Henry is a package deal coming to Dallas? Awesome. And, and again, I think you've got issues with Dak Prescott, but if you can live with them for this coming season, the next season, then at that point, you know, maybe you can figure something else out. I think, I, I, I mean, I almost holistically disagree with you here. The Cowboys, okay. to me, are far and away the best job for a coach to walk into. The Cowboys' problem has not, the Cowboys have won 12 games each of the last three years. Like, they are And they're talented, considered a failure. But I, because, they, because they fall flat in the playoffs, right? But, but most of these teams aren't sniffing the playoffs that are available right now, right? The Chargers are considered a massive failure. Like they, theirs hasn't been a more underachieving. The team Falcons in football. could have won their division on the last game of the regular At eight season. Eight and eight, or what? Eight but it doesn't. And, and, it's a weak division. It's a weak division, and it has been a weak division. Have you paid attention to the NFC East? Washington, the Giants, the the NFC East is a brutal. It's not good at all. And and what what's happening in Philadelphia? Like I don't have confidence in them long term. I think your best chance in the next two years to win a Super Bowl. Is the Cowboys. Does that make it the best job for everybody? No, it does not make it the best job for everybody. But what makes it attractive to everybody is you will get time and loyalty from your owner to a fault. Jerry Jones's fault as an owner is he is too loyal to his guys. He's not cutthroat enough, right? Mike McCarthy should not have been the coach of the Cowboys this year. He shouldn't have been. Not not after what we've seen. It's it's one thing if they're you know getting there and get they when they get to the postseason they're out coached and it is so obvious when they fall flat in games they are out coached that's the problem it's not that they're they have one of the most talented offensive players in football in CD Lamb who's young you've got yeah, Dak you're right you know you've got Dak Dak is what he is but he's been an MVP candidate two out of the last three years and you have Micah Parsons who is one of if not the most gifted defensive player in football. So you walk into that most – you don't get the opportunity for that job to even be open. Jobs where guys have won 12 games the last three years don't typically come open in the NFL. And it, technically speaking, it hasn't even come open yet this year either, by the way. But, like, the difference between that and really having to go anywhere else 
We, we just don't see it very often. And if you go down the list, like I like the upside of the Falcons too. Don't get me wrong. But is who's better, Drake London or CeeDee Lamb? Mm. CeeDee Lamb is better. I think Drake right. London, we haven't seen his full potential yet because he was right, underutilized. Right. But like the things that we like about Atlanta's young roster – I mean, Jake Ferguson has been at least as productive as Kyle Pitts through this I mean, point who's, in their careers. If you want, if you want to throw out the CD Lamb versus Drake London, who's better—the running game that the Cowboys have, or the B. John Robinson and Tyler? Yeah, Algier? it's the Falcons. No, it's the Falcons. I, I got to finish what I'm going through. But what defense is better? It's the Cowboys, right? So if you're just stacking those two up, and then the the elephant in the room is obviously quarterback, always in the NFL. So it, it's just like. Where are you going to and again it depends that each coach is going to have a different driving factor behind them. The Cowboys, I don't think, need they don't need some like young, innovative mind to come in here like some teams do. They need co they need a coach that has proven time and time again their team is prepared and they know how to win games. And I think, you know, Bill Belichick has obviously done that. Jim Harbaugh has obviously done Give that. Me Mike Vrabel. Give me and Mike, Mike Vrabel. Vrabel has obviously done that. And Vrabel would be my top choice. Well, Jim Harbaugh would probably be my top choice. I don't I don't ever know what that guy's thinking, but the dude wins everywhere he ever goes. So like that 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 it makes that part a little bit easier. So and let, he's a quarterback. Let me, guy. let me ask you that as as a Cowboys fan and you follow the team, let me ask you this. Do you think and we talked about how uh Mike McCarthy has gotten out coached, we've talked about, you know, out preparedness, all of that. But I want to ask about discipline. Do the Cowboys lack discipline? Is that uh, part of it? I don't think so. I, because I, don't I think know. that if, if you're if you're talking about that, then I think Mike Vrabel is the guy. Like, I mean, I think they Mike had they, they got a lot of penalties. That. Yeah, they they do have too many penalties. Penalties have plagued them a little bit. So yeah, I guess in one regard you could say that. Yeah, they they probably do. But it's. It's just being out-prepared that drives me insane. Like, it, it's one thing if you're being outplayed. It's one thing if you make a mistake in a game and it costs you, which they certainly did plenty of that yesterday. But it's another when you're so when it feels like you never have a chance in a game that you should be winning handily. That's just being out-prepared. I, I, I don't know what else to call it, but it's what keeps happening to the Cowboys in the Mike McCarthy era. When they go into games and just lay absolute eggs, it, it's the strangest thing. Like, look, let me give you an example. Like, when the Chiefs were at their most frustrating, right, it was mistakes. It was lack of execution. I don't think it was lack of preparedness. Guys weren't catching balls. The Cowboys, when they look bad, they look like they don't even know what direction to run. Like, it's a totally different kind of bad. And it doesn't happen as often, which is why they win 12 games. But it happens. And you're never going to win a Super Bowl if you can't not do that. And they do it every year in the playoffs. So it's like, okay, now what are you going to do? Let's go find the coach that's never out-prepared, right? Like, Mike Tomlin would be the perfect coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike Vrabel, similar situation. That's why those guys would be my— And and to some degree, Bill Belichick was rarely out-prepared either like not very many people ever out prepared that's what made him so great right he always knew what you were going to do and took that away from you I would be perfectly fine with Belichick in, in Dallas right and and people can talk about personalities Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones would get along just fine 
they would be I, I'm not just fine. I'm not suggesting that they wouldn't get along. What I'm saying is that there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen in Dallas, and there are a lot of different uh, thoughts and opinions. And of course, Jerry Jones is well, the king of that. But then you've got his son involved, and there are a lot of different moving parts in Dallas. Bill Belichick has been used over the last two decades. He's been used to having the final say. He's been well, used he's to being not the coming guy. to. He's not going anywhere and getting player control. So you'd have to just say, we want you to come coach. But, but don't you think that, he's going to be able to get a little bit more influence and control in a place like Atlanta? I mean, Arthur Blank's going to look at him and say, uh, you're, hey, you're the master. Like, you've won I mean, I wouldn't Super do that if I anybody. were Arthur Blank. I wouldn't do that because, it's, because we've seen now, after Brady, Belichick's trying to, like, he's not as good as maybe he once was. But he wasn't always the architect in New England. Right, they were general managers there early on in that dynasty. He was always so, when he came on. He was always the general manager. And, and no, the coach. they but he came it, on it, in two thousand and he was hired as the coach and de facto general manager when he came on to New England. I mean, that was part of the deal. That's the way that this has been for over two decades for Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's technically been the GM. They've had other executives that have gone on to other places, but I guess they technically worked under Belichick. So, right. Uh, like Scott I'll, Pioli I'll was there, but yeah, Scott Pioli, Pioli that's who I was trying for to think Bill of. Belichick. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who I was trying to think of. But when he lost those guys, like he – and any, any great executive coach, whatever, in the NFL, when you lose all your assistants and you lose all your people, whatever the case is, he's lost that step in his game, I think. I don't think that's where he needs to be focused anymore. And so we'll see. I, I I wouldn't hand those kinds of keys to him. Not after what we've seen in New England the last three years. No way. No chance. But if you're just telling me he's going to come in and coach my team, I'm on board. I think he's still got that in the tank for sure. I think the Patriots, there were there were just still cases, even when they're not very talented, where you're like, how are they hanging around here? And it's happened less often, but it's still there. I'd take Vrabel. I would take Harbaugh, and then I would take Vrabel. But if it's Belichick, fine. Like I don't. It's fine with me. Jerry Jones, by the way, if Bill Belichick went there, Jerry Jones, he might welcome it because then he wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Jerry Jones would do that for him, right? Like that's I, – I don't know. I, I, I've never heard anybody that actually didn't enjoy, other than, you know, the odd Jimmy Johnson situation, that didn't enjoy working for Jerry Jones. I mean, how long did he give Dave Campo and, and you know, <laughs> Jason Daly. Jason Garrett? Like that dude is so – Wade Phillips. So loyal, so loyal. Yeah. Like he'd be the best guy to work for. Anecdotally, I've heard, I, I've talked to people that work for him. Like best boss ever, right? He'd be fine to go work for. I, I think he'll get along with anybody that's winning games. Now he's going to go talk on the radio and do all those things. That's fine. But I don't think that stuff bothers Bill Belichick anyway. Like who cares? He just won't pay any attention to it. I don't think it bothered Mike McCarthy either. By the way, Mike McCarthy just kept getting out coached in big games. I mean, By the you way, you cannot run that back. You cannot run that back. You you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. Did you catch his halftime rant yesterday? No. <laughs> I mean, he he I was. Not. It was like he was in the Cowboys locker room trying to fire up the team. And man, I thought he would be a perfect guy. I mean, obviously he's been gone for a long time, but that's what the Cowboys needed. They needed a kick in the pants, a shot in the arm, something uh, at halftime. And Jimmy Johnson delivered it on the halftime show. He was upset. <sighs> And I don't blame him one bit. Uh, uh, what a what a flipping disaster that was! My goodness, just unbelievable. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we got to one of the other wild card games. That Lions story. How are you not Team Lions right now? Like, how could you not be Team Lions? That was so cool. And I know I picked the Rams. And why did I take the money line? Got greedy. Got greedy. 
uh, that in my real bets, I think in our bets, I, I won that, you know, in our picks. But in, in reality, what did we do last last week? We all went two and two. Of course we did. Yeah. We didn't have any of the same <laughs> things. And we all went two and two. All right. Uh, we'll come back. We'll have more Sports Daily. On the way out, let's give away some HDO. Jad, let's do a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee. One of each for our first caller to the IHOP hotline at 869-1240. The coffee's good at Wichita East and in Derby. The tea is good at those locations and in West Wichita as well. Good luck, everybody. We'll come back more Sports Daily right after this. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Steve, enjoy the HTO on us here at KFH. Glad to do that for everybody. Um, Tommy, the rest of the wild card weekend, you know, we didn't have a lot of close games, honestly. I felt satisfied with the weekend. We got the closest game by far last night, which was a great game, Lions-Rams. Like, an historically odd game, too. The Rams, there were, there were numbers in there for the Rams where a team that has been that efficient and mistake-free offensively has never lost before, but they did. Uh, and I think it had something to do with like yards per play and no turnovers or something like that. But the Lions get it done. And I i mean, just it makes me wonder like they and now they get a playoff game thanks to the Cowboys, which is like the ultimate piece of karma too, by the way, isn't it? That the that the Cowboys lose and the Lions win and it gets them a second home game. Like if you remember back to whatever week 16. So you've got all of that and. It's just such an incredible story, and and you know, there I had like bets and everything riding on the Rams, but I couldn't not root for the Lions. You can, you can't not root for the Lions. I don't know how you can root for anybody more than the Lions right now, unless you're the team playing against them. That is just such a. How could you not be in on Dan Campbell? How can you not be in on the Lions? How can you not be in on how much everybody had Jared Goff's back after? You know, all the talk about Staff- – and it's not a knock on Stafford at all, but, like, Goff got traded away, and, and the Rams went and won a Super Bowl without him. And and I remember – I was in this camp, I think, with everybody else. You're like, oh, well, they got Jared Goff. Good for them. Who cares? He's been really good in Detroit. And now he's like, – it's just storybook stuff, man, and I don't want to see it end. I don't want to see it end. I'm, I am all in. Team Lions, let's go out of the NFC – because it's going to be really fun to watch. I don't think they can get it done, but I hope they can get it done. I thought that was a tough matchup for them. You know, the Rams are good. And, you know, whether they can go and I, they'll play for sure now, the Eagles or the Bucks, they can definitely beat the Eagles or the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched that matchup last night, and I just had this thought. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see these two teams battle it out in the playoffs for the next couple of years. Like, I feel like they're both at a place where, you know, we could see them representing the NFC uh, because of what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit and building that team. Aiden Hutchinson is a game wrecker, and he has been all season long, continued it last night. Uh, just that their offense is great with Amon Ross St. Brown and David Montgomery. They're a really, really complete football team. And so that is great. And regardless if they, how much further they make it in the playoffs, I'm still not convinced that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl and and even win the Super Bowl. I'm not convinced about that. 
But even if they get knocked out in the next round or in the NFC championship, I think they'll be back. I think that Dan Campbell has built a team. I think that they would even be better next season. And then you take a look at the Rams, finally healthy. Matthew Stafford back and healthy. Cooper Cup back and healthy. Puka Nakua has been a revelation this season. He was incredible last night. Sean McVay resurrecting this team after last season and the way they started this season. I mean, keep in mind, they started this year three and six. So it was not a good start to the year for the Rams. And then they were able to win seven of their last eight to get back into this place. They're definitely on the rise as well. So I just had this thought as these two teams are battling it out and playing well, I mean, they both played really good football, really not a whole lot of mistakes by either team. I just thought, man, I wouldn't be surprised if we see these two teams battling for domination in the NFC moving forward. I think Stafford has more good years left than people give him credit for, but it'll depend largely on that, I think. But the Rams rebuild, which was supposed to be, you know, this year very much was supposed to be a part of it. Looks like it's going to be very short, right? Like that, that rebuild is probably done now. They just, they, they've, I think Credit they Sean McVay for that, man. Like, I, I think that I, people 100%, forget about the, course the, yes. the, the Rams win the championship yep. a couple of years ago. Then they fall off a cliff and everybody's like, oh, did Sean, did Sean McVay lose it? No. Well, he good. almost walked away. He almost walked yeah. away. I, I think about that all the time. Like, th- this dude's awesome. Like, he, he is clearly very, very good. And, and they deserve credit for identifying Puka Nakua, obviously, later in the draft. But, you know, they've done this largely this year with injury issues, right? They've had... Yeah. They've had a lot of injury issues. They finally got healthy. Look at their and, running backs. And Kyron Williams, I mean, nobody knew who he was at the beginning of the year. And he's one of the best running backs in the conference. If you did know who he was, you knew that he was very disappointing because yeah. of fantasy football, right? And that, But, yeah, no, I agree. They're, they're interested. But go Lions, man. I'm, I'm in. Good for them. The shots. Good job. I mean, good job. I, NBC deserves all the, all the shade for the Peacock, you know, nonsense this weekend. They nailed that broadcast for capturing the emotion of the Lions and their fans last night. They nailed it. That was so, so well done. Uh, all right. When we come back, little college hoops talk, little college football talk that we maybe didn't expect uh, with Shreya Lotta. Lance Leipold stays. KU basketball. That's what we're talking about. We'll get into those stories when we return on Sports Daily. Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. It's that time, Sports Daily, getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the KU football and basketball beat writer from the Kansas City Star. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you. Glad to have on Treas Lada coming to us here. Reporter for KU football, basketball, uh, for the KC Star. Let's start with football, oddly, here, Shreyas. Yesterday got, you know, it's interesting. So Tommy and I are texting back and forth a little bit as a lot of people in the Washington beat are throwing around Lance Leipold's name. His name, of course, was rumored out there from the very beginning, uh, which, of course, you know how that goes. Agents throw names out there. They're trying to create leverage, all these things. But then there started to get a little bit more smoke that he was one of Washington's top choices. I don't know if he was ultimately their top choice or if it was Fish at Arizona, but Lance Leipold pretty definitively through Twitter shot those rumors down, saying he can't wait to get to work with the guys this year. So what, what from what you can tell, how did that play out? Do you think he was Washington's top guy? Were there ever conversations? Was he even interested at all in that job? Or from what you could tell, how did that process play out with Washington? I definitely think he was Washington's top guy. I mean, we saw a lot of reports about him being the uh, the candidate that they really long hard after. Um, and I think they went after Fish after Lance kind of turned down the opportunity. It seems like they offered him and he, they tur- he turned it down. And it seems like Kansas probably did everything they could to probably give him a nice contract extension and give him another reason to stay at Kansas. And, uh, you know, I'm sure in the next couple of days or a week or two, we'll probably see, uh, you know, Lance Leipold has received a contract extension. And, you know, I think Lance played the game perfectly, right? You know, the fact of the matter is he's been in multiple job searching searches, uh, but he's remained steadfastly loyal to Kansas. Um, and this Washington job was probably the biggest test of all because just from all the coaches that have gone to Washington and their careers, you know, they've ended up in some, you know, blue chip, you know, blue, you know, cold, you know, all these like great schools like Georgia, Alabama, et cetera. So he very well could have gone to Washington, done a tremendous job there like he's done at Kansas. And within two to three years, he's at whatever Big Ten or SEC school he wanted. Uh, but he said, you know, definitively, no, I'm going to stick at Kansas. I like what I have, you know, and Kansas Jayhawk fans can breathe a sigh of relief because, you know, I don't know what would have happened if Lance left because I, I presume a lot of the team would have probably left with him. We know, Shreyas, and everybody knows what the Jayhawks are building, what they have built under Lance Leipold, but from your perspective, what is it about the program? What is it about the university? What is it about the leadership the city, whatever it is, that in your mind keeps Lance Leipold as loyal as he's been to the University of Kansas? Well, I mean, I think him and Travis are attached to the hip. They have a, a contract clause where basically if Travis were to get fired or let go or leave or whatever, you know, Lance has a buyout. Like he can leave 
you know, he can get out of the contract. Uh, so it seems like they're very much uh, a tight relationship there. And because of that, you know, Travis is willing to kind of do whatever uh, it takes to kind of keep Lance around. And I think Lance appreciates that, you know, and I think Lance sees what he's built with Kansas. We're about to enter year four and they're probably the team, uh, one of the few teams that can challenge for a big 12 title next year. And, you know, they've invested in a stadium uh, and renovations and NIL, et cetera. I think, you know, one of the biggest things with this Kansas team is they're not willing to just sit on their laurels, right? You know, this Kansas team could have easily just been, okay, we're happy with six wins or and, and a bowl appearance. But it's clear that this Kansas Athletics Administration is willing to do whatever it takes to get football to be uh, as good as it possibly can be. And I think Lance appreciates that. He likes that. And uh, I think he knows what he's building in Kansas is, you know, a couple more good years like this. You know, eventually retires. He's going to have a statue up here uh, in Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, right? Like, to me, you've got a good thing going. He's older coach. I've always wondered his appetite to move on. But the reality is, I mean, they got a good chance to win the Big 12 next year in a 12-team playoff. I, I And I thought about this yesterday. Like, there's a very easy case to make that Kansas has a better chance at reaching a 12-team playoff than Washington next year. And we just saw Washington play in a national championship game. I totally understand that. But they just lost their coach. They're going to lose their quarterback. They're going to lose their top weapon offensively. I, I think you can easily say, and, and maybe even definitively say, KU right now has a better chance to reach that playoff than Washington. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, look at all the guys that entered the portal uh, when their coach departed for Alabama. Uh, I think 100% the continuity, the stability that Kansas has to offer uh, and the conference that it plays in gives KU a higher chance of making the college football playoffs. How much of this, Shreyas, do you think that you, you talked about how the way that Coach Leipold played this entire thing? Do you think that there was any kind of um, any kind of thought in his mind as this is all going on that not only could he potentially leverage a, a new contract extension and raise, but also the other top target? was the head coach of a team coming into the big 12 that could be favored to win the big 12 next season. And that kind of, you know, maybe knocks that competition out of the way a little bit. I, I think I'm sure it came in his mind, you know, but I, I, just from what I know about Lance and this thing, I, I'm not sure that's a huge priority for him. Lance is not afraid of competition. He's never been afraid to duck it. Uh, he, he will never be the one to duck competition. So, you know, I think he would have welcomed if, Fish had stayed in the conference, but I'm sure it's a nice bonus that he ended up in another conference and Arizona got weaker and, you know, guys are going to enter the transfer portal and, you know, it'll be a little bit of an interesting situation what happens there because this that team was probably projected to win the Big 12 and Kansas was probably, you know, projected two or three or four. I It's... It's all on Jalen Daniels, though, isn't it, Trius? Like, I, I, I know we've talked about this before. How's that back? Is he going to be able... Like, I, I don't know, like, without back surgery, how do you fix a bad back? Like, what, 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 do, what is the general thought there? Because, in theory, he had an entire offseason after two years ago to get right and then clearly never was this year. How, how are we expecting that to change now this coming season? That's what I can't quite understand. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think they've been very cautious and, and all that, you know, kind of letting it happen. He's supposed to, I think, start, he's starting to throw a little bit again. I think he will kind of be more on a normalized schedule a little bit, getting closer to back to action in February. But, 
I, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, so I can't make the the assessment there. And especially with everything with this has been so, you know, kind of in the dark. It's a lot of just bits and pieces. But I know he wasn't practicing for a while. Uh, and he wasn't practicing at the bowl game either. So I think they're just being very cautious about it. And it seems like they're optimistic that he's going to be okay by the season because they didn't went out and, and didn't pick up another guy in the portal, right? Like they easily could have done that. But they, they said, if Jalen is healthy, which we think he is effectively, then he's going to be the quarterback. And then God forbid, if something happens, then Cole Ballard's going to be the backup, you know? And uh, obviously they have that talented freshman, incoming freshman in Zeke Marshall, but he's, I don't think he's going to see snaps next year uh, or really at all. But, you know, I think that Kansas is, is optimistic and hopeful that he's going to be healthy. And I think the lack thereof in portal moves kind of confirms to me that, uh, that, they think Jalen will be healthy, even if it takes just some time to kind of get back to uh, the shape that he was in and uh, like the player that he was. You know, Sharice, it's been really fun uh, and interesting to watch the progress of what's been happening with the the new stadium with Kansas and and seeing the rubble at the old Memorial Stadium and and all of that uh, as they've been working on making all that happen. What do we know? I know there's been speculation about what might happen next season, where the team might play. I've heard Arrowhead Stadium uh, might be on the table for a couple of games. Do we have any clarity on what that is going to look like next season for KU? Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it seems like there will be at least four games at Arrowhead. There could be more. Uh, I I know from uh, just uh, in in discussions with uh, people around the program and stuff like that, you know, there was thoughts maybe it could be all the games or maybe it would be just – four and like the first game would be at the booth and then senior night would be at at the booth. Uh, I think that's still like kind of getting formalized and figuring all that out. Uh, But I presume there's going to be a decent amount of games played at Arrowhead. Uh, And I think, you know, just figuring out when and which those games will be, will be interesting. But I presume the Iowa state game will probably be at Arrowhead. The Colorado game will be at Arrowhead. Um, But I'd be a little surprised if they have the first game against like Lindenwood or whatever at Arrowhead. Uh, But, you know, it, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out and how that's going to work with students. Are they going to have a busing system that takes them down to Arrowhead? Uh, how do you make sure the game day experience is deterred? Uh, but, you know, I think if we've learned anything in this Travis Stop era is he has plans on plans on plans. So I think Kansas will be okay, whatever happens. Yeah, it's um... – it's going to, I mean, could you imagine prime? I mean, if you could sell Arrowhead out, I, I did worry about that a little bit. Shreya Slada, uh, KU football basketball beat writer for the KC star joining us here on sports daily. I, I worried. I was like, well, what's that going to look like with 30,000 people in it? But man, if you could pick the right matchups, Iowa state, I think would be a great one to do. Cause they'd travel. Uh, obviously K state would be a great one to do there, but even, even if you get Colorado, if they could fill up Arrowhead, you want to talk about buzz, that would be really, really cool. But I guess if they don't, it's fine. How long, by the way, like how long realistically do you think this, do you think they're going to be on time with the stadium? Are they going to be playing renovated home games at the booth in 2026? I think 2025, you know, I think they should be like back. Oh to- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. My years are off this, not this season, but the next season. Yeah. 2025. Yeah. Yeah. I think they will. I mean, I, I you know, like, uh, I think there's been real progress being made. Obviously things can change and stuff like that, but I don't think Kansas wants to have revenue go off campus as much as possible. You know, like that's just the reality, especially with this program. I mean, I, to be blunt and honest, I think 
no one expected this Kansas team. I mean, I, I was very high on them, right? But they're ahead of schedule. And I think the if you could help it, you would want this Kansas team to play at Lawrence because they're building something really special right now. But obviously, uh, they're so good. And, you know, like, they are in the midst of a, a rebuild with the stadium, so it's a little unfortunate there. But uh, I expect them to be back by 2025. I mean, obviously things can change and, you know, never say never. But it seems like golf is on a pretty strict timeline and uh, Kansas is on a pretty strict timeline with all that. Let's talk basketball for a little bit, Shreyas. Uh In a week that was kind of bizarre for the Jayhawks, they looked not good at all on the road at UCF earlier in the week. But then they come back home to Allen Fieldhouse in a top 10 matchup against the Oklahoma Sooners and look really good. What's your big takeaway from what you've seen from the Jayhawks this past week? Yeah, I think that was uh, this game was a get right game. I mean, they played really bad against UCF, 18 turnovers, plus the 18 points. Uh, you know, the same theme of not making a lot of three pointers continued against UCF and OU. Uh, but the defense tightened up. They found a way to stop OU in the lane. Uh, and I think it was one of those games that Kansas shows when they're locked in, they can be one of the best teams in the nation. It just needs to be that level of effort and concentration uh, and play for that to happen. Um, this was probably the biggest win for Kansas since the, the UConn game, I think, um, and probably the one they've looked best in in, in a long, long time. Uh, but I think, you know, it showcased that the, the starting lineup change is, I think, a big one. It, you know, Johnny just brings in a different level of energy than Mar- El Marco does, and he provides some stuff. I think he's just good at making winning plays on the field – or, sorry, on the court that I think El Marco is still just trying to figure out the college game and stuff like that. But it feels like even though he had a pretty modest stat line, seven points of one of four shooting and three rebounds in 19 minutes, you know, he had an injection of energy with those three offensive boards. Uh, in the first half alone. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like this Kansas team looks better with him out on the, the floor and the starting lineup. Uh, but, you know, I think the game against Oklahoma is a good indication of what Kansas can be uh, as it tries to work towards its overall ceiling. Uh, OU was probably good. I don't know how o- good OU is. The Big 12 is is as weird and competitive and wild as we think it's going to be what can Kansas do to be the most consistent that it can be because they still only made three three pointers in a game that they won by 12 I I think and we've said this before but it's officially time to stop saying KU needs to make more threes they're not going to they're not going to even appear to try (laughs) to so what can they do to create some consistency then between you know what we've seen really in their last two games from what we saw against Oklahoma and to not see what we saw against UCF? Well, I think, you know, it's limiting turnovers, right, on the offensive end. Like Phil Self alluded to it, this Kansas team is not good enough offensively to turn the ball over 18 times. Like, I don't care who you are um, and all that, but, like, it it just isn't. And I think that's a big thing. Like, you know, obviously they're not going to have games where they only turn the ball over two times very often because that was a program record but um you know i I think that's huge uh doing a good job of scoring inside the arc like they've done continue doing that playing the level of defense they're capable of playing which they've done uh for the most part this season is really really big um but i think those couple of things are, are are really big for kansas is limiting turnovers uh getting guys 
besides the big three of KJ, Hunter, and Kevin McCuller, who can help score, uh, like a Johnny Furphy or Dillon Harris or somebody off the bench. I think that's another big thing. Uh, but I think for Kansas, it's going to 100% be uh, limiting turnovers, making points on the fast break, uh, getting aggressive Dewan Harris, and getting some help outside of the top three uh, guys. Yeah, it very clearly was a priority for Bill Self after the UCF game to work on the turnovers, as you mentioned. You know, it was not good uh, on the road against uh, UCF when it came to the turnovers. But then they really cleaned it up back at home on Saturday, only two in the game against Oklahoma. That's got to be a focus moving forward. But what do you think, where does that center on? Does it center on Dewan Harris taking care of the basketball better, better passing? What do you think uh, will, will make it work moving forward to limit the number of turnovers? I think it's, I think it's definitely that, uh, you know, it's also guys like KJ being a little more careful on fast breaks. And I mean, you know, Dewan has got to be better. I mean, he has highest turnover, uh, ratio or rate of his career right now at like 27%. It was like 20% last year, mind you. Um, so I definitely think it, it is that. I think that it starts with him and, and it kind of infects the rest of the team uh, in the sense of if you can get your point guard who has the ball the most to, to limit his turnovers, it feels like the rest of the team seems to follow suit and is a little more cautious about things. Uh, but I don't think it's a, it's a you know, okay, this is a Dewan Harris problem. I think it's a, a Kansas Jayhawk they just sometimes are careless with the ball problem. Uh, what's up next here? We go Oklahoma State doesn't look very good. West Virginia doesn't look very good. An opportunity then to get a couple. Um, an important opportunity, I think, to get a couple. But they both come on the road. And so they'll play Tuesday and is it Saturday the 20th, right? Uh, so Tuesday and Saturday. But it's a full week on the road and it, it will mean they've only played one of their last four on the road. From what you've seen against the Big 12 this year, playing the bottom-end teams but playing them on the road, how dangerous a week is this for KU? I mean, I think it's a dangerous week, but I, I think they'll come out of this week 2-0. But obviously, you know, like, sometimes you expect things and they don't turn out the way. I didn't expect them to lose to UCF, right? Uh, I think as long as they come out focused and, and they don't like, you know, dilly-dally and lollygag in the sense of, having a lot of turnovers or let teams come back in the game, they should come out with wins. It might not be the prettiest wins because this Kansas team does not win in, in a dominant fashion very often, but I think they should win those games. All right, Trius. Well, we appreciate it. We'll find your work this week at the KC star. Uh, what do you have coming for us? Uh, anything special outside of just the, the busy game load that you'll have? Yeah. I'm hoping to have a little more on this uh, Lance stuff we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition but i think that'll be a, a fun little just figure out what everything happened and stuff like that and then obviously typical game stuff and then i think i'll probably have a piece i'm talking to a transfer portal expert about all the guys key football has brought in uh to kind of just look go. at and see what they can give <laughs> yeah. uh i yeah get through that and then and then uh we'll find it and report it back to us next week because that stuff's impossible to keep up with but it is critical to what KU will do next year. Shreya Slada, you can find his work at the KC Star. You can find him on social media at SHRE98. Shreya, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, we'll come back, Tommy and I. Uh, we can get in briefly to K-State and Wichita State from the weekend as well. We'll look ahead to the NFL playoff games tonight. A lot to get through as we make our way through the second hour of a Reaction Monday here on Sports Daily. 
All right, welcome back, everybody, into Sports Daily here. Uh, so we just talked KU hoops for a second there, Tommy. Um, let's let's get to K-State and Wichita State basketball from the weekend. Probably won't spend a ton of time on this because we'll have time later in the week. K-State, boy, I thought they were going to get it done. That was an odd game, and I was on CBS Sports Radio at that time, so I was kind of trying to watch out of the corner of my eye, and it was it was hard to follow. Like, K-State was down early, then got up big at halftime, and then ended up losing by one to Tech. Back and forth, great game, interesting game. Um, I don't think it really, I mean, it doesn't shake your confidence in KU in any way to go in Lubbock and lose by one, does it? I thought, you know, just K-State. all in all. Yeah, sorry, K-State. Yeah. I thought all in all, it was it was fine, honestly. Yeah. Like, it was fine. I think that it tells you more about Texas Tech than it does about the Wildcats. I mean, Grant McCaslin so. has himself a pretty solid team there, yeah. and he's been they a great dudes. coach. He's got a, yeah. he's been a great coach for a long time. Um, got the opportunity to go down to Lubbock and and coach for the Red Raiders, and I think that's a slam dunk hire for Texas Tech. I think he's going to build Texas Tech into a really um, a really big time prominent player in the Big Twelve moving forward. So I think it tells you more about Texas Tech than it does about Kansas State. You know, these this was a game that. When you look back in the non-con, it's games that Kansas State won, right? Like, they always won the close games, the games that came down to the final possession, into overtime, that sort of thing. They weren't able to get it done this weekend. I don't know. I, I have a hard I kind of go back and forth on this because, yes, they should have absolutely kept their lead that they had instead of letting it dwindle and, and ultimately lose the game. Um, but, man, again, Texas Tech sure. has some dudes on that team. So I'm not willing to overreact to it at this point. To me, it just seems like another big 12 battle right and you you win some of them you lose some of them and that's kind of where kansas state is i think the reaction is to be honestly not impressed but satisfied right tyler perry played a little better they had that team on the ropes on the road i think you feel just fine about it if you're k-state i I don't think there's much to worry about there with that game in fact I, i i i really do i think it would be if you were looking for some reaction to it encouraged would be the right act reaction. Um, the 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 shockers are are not that right now. Um, I was encouraged by the first half, and not the second half. Obviously, they fall big. Uh, they lose by what? What is that? Thirty eight points. Um, Thirty six points. Hundred and twelve points allowed. You heard Jad on on the update there. Give you the historic perspective on that. I just I recall a time where Shocker fans were begging for a team that was not you know so rigid and would play offense. This team's going to play offense, but right now they're not playing any defense, and they're not going to win very many games. And that's always been the case in college basketball. Like you're not going to win very many games if you're not playing defense. I don't know what they in and. You know, the the first two losses are what really concern you. Memphis is really good. Don't get me wrong. But that game got away from them. They, I, I, I don't know what to say, Tommy, except this was the cautionary tale of making whole, you know, wholesale changes when you've known a brand and a style for so long and you do that. This is always the risk. I wonder if the same people that drug us through the mud would do the same now if we talked about expectations in year one and what they should be. I wonder if they feel the same way by calling us, you know, uh, idiots on the air for saying it's important that the Shockers win games right away. And people say, no, you got to have time to rebuild. Do you still feel that way? Because I don't think you do. 
I think you want I think you need to win as you rebuild in college basketball. College basketball is no longer a rebuilding sport. There's the transfer portal now. There's all of these things. And so this is frustrating. And they're not playing well at all. And now they're 0-3 in the league. They get to play Florida Atlantic next. I don't know what to say. It would be different if they didn't have the talent to win a couple of those conference games. They they absolutely do. I mean, Memphis is really good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but but they've got the talent to be. I mean, just watch the first half against Memphis yesterday. They were in that game. They led at various points in the first half. They have the talent to win in this league this season. They absolutely do. I don't want to deflect away from the defensive issues that we saw from Wichita State yesterday. But I just want to point out, Memphis shot the ball incredible, like red hot. They made everything they looked at. Some of that was due to the lack of of defense that we saw from Wichita State. But some of it was Memphis just made their shots, right? Like they've got freakish type athletes. We saw Jaquan Walton back in Wichita, right? Like they've got guys that when we know all about what Walton can do, uh, they made their shots. It doesn't mean that there aren't absolutely red flags that are being raised about what's happening with Wichita State. I thought that Paul Mills did a really good job a couple of games ago by putting Dalen Riginal in the starting lineup. I thought that that was a good change. I thought it was a good spark for Wichita State. But now we're a couple of games into it. They might need more of that. You know, they gave up what, what like the fourth most points ever at home in the program's history yesterday. Now, we're not accustomed to seeing that sort of thing. So it is a shock. It, it absolutely is. And so now you've got to kind of go back to the drawing board. It, you know, we've been asking this team to hit their shots all season long, and they finally do. Yeah, they but do. then, right. you know, Memphis, you know, they, they score a bunch of points. So Something was uh, in the air at Coke Arena. Yeah. Like, the shots yeah. haven't fallen like that at Coke Arena <laughs> holistically in a long time. I'm not, and I don't want people to misunderstand. Like, I'm still relatively optimistic about the future. I am. I mean that. I am. Because I'm an optimist, and I want to be. It I am, too. Be, it would be easy to be a pessimist right now, though. I just am looking at what's right in front of our face. I don't know yet, and time will tell, probably by this offseason, if it needs to be like panic time, and it'll depend on the caliber of player that comes into Wichita State. But for this year, I I am fully aware of how intricate and detail-oriented the offense is. And so that's fine. I don't have, again, I don't have a problem with that. But what I do have concern about is what happens if this team is down near the bottom of the AAC and what that does big picture to the momentum of the program and putting butts in the seats. There were a ton of butts in the seats against Memphis. That was awesome to see. Great environment. That was Memphis. What's it going to be like when they come home and play UAB, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I, I just, I, what I am so fearful of and have been from the beginning of all of this, before, like when Greg Marshall, you know, was was ousted, what I've always been fearful of is apathy around this program because it's my favorite program maybe to be successful because we live here, right? Like it's different when – and I know people are more passionate about the, the schools that they've rooted for their entire lives or the Chiefs or whatever, but man, when the Shockers are good, everybody's a Shocker fan. 
And the whole city's a Shocker fan. That's fun to be a part of. I just don't want to lose that. And so my concern has always been, if it's not, and this is why we brought the points up in the offseason, you know, how are they going to do in year one? And people say, well, you got to give it more time than that. And I'm like, mm, I don't know that they have that luxury because they were already battling some apathy because of COVID and because of all these things. And so now I just don't want the program to fall into irrelevancy because they're not winning games right now, which has always been a fear, and they're not winning games right now. And, you know, they could very easily, not easily, but they, there's absolutely a world where we know, based on what we've seen from this team this year, that they go to Florida Atlantic and lose, Tommy, but then they come back and they rattle off wins, you know, three of four, four of four, South Florida, ECU, SMU, Tulsa, right? It's different there. So they, they still have to do it. I'm still optimistic on the long-term future on the court. I just worry about what the present could do and the damage the present could do to the overall trajectory of the program as we look at conferences realigning, as we look at all of these things happening around us. It is important that Wichita State men's basketball is good, like right now. That is an important thing that needs to happen. Things are changing. You don't want to be on the bottom end of that. You want to be on the top end of that. That's what worries me. We've been there before, though. I mean, you go back a year ago. You know, there, there was apathy setting in with the program. Sure. Um, you know, there, there was why a, a change lot. was made, by the way, yeah, more there, than there anything a, else. Yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, of confidence being inspired, um, you know, by the administration and by the, the coaching staff and, and all of that at the time. Right. Um, this is why, and, and I, I will absolutely own the fact that I, at the time, was not a fan of moving on from Isaac Brown at that moment. Um, now, I think moving forward, it ends, I think it ends up being the right decision because I really genuinely like Paul Mills. At the time, I didn't like the decision to move away from Isaac Brown. But the reason why I am still optimistic is because I think that Paul Mills inspires that optimism a little bit. Like that's kind of what he's known for. And even though yeah. the results in conference have not played out so far the way that anybody would have wanted it to, I think that if anybody can't get it done, Paul Mills can. So I've completely changed my mind over the last several months over the direction of the program. Don't get me wrong. I still think the expectations are there that they, they've got the talent and the ability to win in this conference and to be a team that could battle for a conference championship, the results notwithstanding. I think they have the talent to do that. But I do think that, that Paul Mills is the coach that can get it turned around, whether it's this season or next. Um, I, I've been impressed by him. I've been impressed by his mindset. I've been impressed by the way that he speaks, what he brings to the table, all of that, because he's not resting on his laurels. I mean, I, I read an interview with him and Taylor Eldridge just the other day where he said, everything's on the table. We got to get this fixed and we're going to go back to work and we're going to get it done. That was what frustrated me so much about the shockers in the past was that they were stuck in a rut and there were, there were no signs that they could ever get out of it. Like there was nothing, there were no concrete plans on what do we do to move this forward? It was just, well, we are who we are. So I think that as long as there are efforts being made to turn things around I think that prevents the apathy from setting in. I hope it does at least. That's my that's my hope and my goal. Um, but but if anybody can can make that happen, I think it's Paul Mills. Yeah, I, I, I well, I don't know if it's Paul Mills. We got to see it. And and that's and again, like I don't want people to. I, I again, I I am generally 
optimistic I think about the you know the long term future. I just am so worried about the short term. And and you know it wasn't Mills had a great final season there at Oral Roberts, but you know it took a while two eleven and twenty one seasons to get to a fourth place then season in the Summit League before a third place season in the Summit League and then the big run. And they did make their Sweet 16 run, but that year they were 18 and 11 and finished fourth in that league. So what, I'm, what I've always been afraid of, Shocker fans aren't going to be okay with two 11-win seasons to get things going. And they'll win more than 11 games this year, but Shocker fans aren't going to be okay with two seasons sub-500 on the way to, or or a five-year rebuild. That's not going to be good enough here. Like, it needs to be a one-year rebuild, especially as the landscape of college basketball is changing. I'm just telling you. Like, it, it wasn't okay for Isaac Brown to have won the league and won Coach of the Year one time in three years, right? That wasn't good enough. Finishing above 500 every year wasn't good enough. Having players on the roster that are sprinkled all over the NBA wasn't good enough. So what is good enough? The expectation is high. And as people say they're ready for a re- like they're not. Like you can say that you you can say it it's going to take time and all these things until you're in the middle of it. And then you don't believe that anymore. Nobody likes a rebuild. Nobody wants to sit through a rebuild. And in college basketball it's never been more ripe to eliminate those rebuilds quickly than it is right now with the transfer portal. So finish this year strong. Or whatever that is, and then this off season is going to be very critical. I mean, critical because this. I'm just telling you, Shocker fans, they're either going to not be okay with this, or they're going to stop caring, and that's not okay. That's what can't happen. So we'll see. I mean, this is it's put up or shut up time, and that was what was so disappointing about the first two losses is you knew what was coming in the next two, right? Memphis and Florida Atlantic. That's where you're like, gosh, dang it! Now there's a real good chance they start 0 four. And that's going to be that's going to be not good. So then, you know, if that happens, what happens in those next four? Pressure's on, and we'll see how they respond to the pressure. They responded really well in the first half, and then they just got outmatched by Memphis. Memphis is better, and and I, I, you know, Florida Atlantic has not been as good as Memphis this year. That no, like no doubt about that. But I, we'll see. Don't you think a little bit? I, I'm not suggesting the pressure is off because I agree with you that expectations are extremely high. But you know you're not an NCAA tournament team at this point, right? Right. Uh, you know you're you're probably not a postseason team in general at this point. So go out there and 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 get creative with it. You know, go out there and 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 try to experiment and tinker and and do because again we we've seen the flashes of it. We've seen them play really good at times. We've seen them yesterday with an example basketball at a really high clip their points per possession it was through the roof yesterday like we've seen them do what we know they can so you you know that though at least those expectations for postseason they're out the window at this point you're 0 and 3 you started off your conference season in a really bad way you've played pretty poor basketball the last month and a half expectations at least for that are out the window so go out there and tinker with it, fix it, try to do what you can to make it work. You don't have to play tight anymore at this point. You go and you play a Florida Atlantic that went to the Final Four last year, there's no reason to play tight against them. You know that from a talent perspective, they're probably better than you. So just go and let it all hang out and just, you know, go crazy. 
but Tommy, they don't have a quad one or two win this year, and they got all their players right for a long time. We're like, well, just wait till they get all their players. They have them all now, and they and this is the worst they've played all year. I know, I know. So that I let's go, let's get this done. Paul Mills, Shockers, get get this back on the right track, and and let's see the momentum going in the right direction. That was a tough loss yesterday. Uh, I, I text you like this game is a blast in the first half, and then all of a sudden it was not fun at all. It was like, oh my goodness. Uh, we'll see. They play again. Uh, that Florida Atlantic game is on. Uh, forgive me. It's on the 18th, which is another Thursday, Thursday. game. It's on the road at seven o'clock. So there you go. Shocker fans. Uh, We'll come back. We'll look at the NFL games tonight. Two more playoff games to go, and one of them has a major impact on what the Chiefs will do next week. We'll get into that on Sports Daily when we return. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. We've got two more wild card weekend games to go. Of course, the Bills game gets moved to this afternoon uh, on KWCH with us, by the way. Be interesting for us. Uh, and then you get the Eagles and the Bucks tonight. I think the Steelers were the big losers in the Bills game getting moved away from the mess, at least to some degree. But what the Chiefs would want here, Tommy, I think, maybe. I mean, I guess you'd want the Steelers to win, but so it'll have a major impact. If the Steelers win, then the Chiefs will play on Saturday afternoon. If the Bills win, they'll play on Sunday in Buffalo. It's either they would sorry, they would not play Pittsburgh though. They would play Houston. And then and I'm not sure, Tommy. I think would you rather play Houston at home or Buffalo on the road? I think you'd rather play Houston at home. Like, if we're just talking about this specific game, although I thought about this a lot because I think that if the Bills win today, follow me on this. If the Bills win today, Kansas City goes to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think that Houston has a good chance, or at least a better chance, to beat Baltimore. Then and then, then you could potentially have yeah. Houston in Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. So I think you almost maybe want to go on the road at Buffalo first because that's going to I give agree. you a better chance to get back home for the AFC Championship. I agree. I honestly, I think, and the other part of that is the Chiefs know, and they know they can beat Buffalo, right? Yep. They should have beat Buffalo. Yeah. I think if they were Because the other the path st- is they, they play the Texans at home this coming weekend. And then potentially they go on the road at Baltimore for the AFC Championship. That would be a, 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 basically the other the other path. And and I don't know that I want I don't know that I'd rather play the Texans at home, quite frankly. And here's yeah. why: follow me on this. It's not right. that I necessarily think Houston's better than Buffalo, although I think it's very close. It's that I think this style and brand uh, that we talked about off the top that I've been talking about for two months lends itself more to a game against Buffalo perhaps than it does for a game against Houston because Houston is far more explosive this year than Buffalo is. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, they have been a more explosive offense. And so when you look at it, 
the the one fear in the back of my head for the Dolphins game was Hill slash the running backs breaking off big plays. They did it one time in that game, and the Chiefs obviously were able to to withstand that. No big deal. Houston's got that in them, too. We saw it in that game against Cleveland, who was, by the way, I think if I think I believe the Chiefs have the number one two defense in all almost all the categories. I think the Browns have number one in a lot of those categories or number three, whatever it is. I'm not sure that it's not more advantageous matchup stylistically if you take home field out of it that the Chiefs play the Bills than if they play the Texans. So I think in both scenarios, it might be better for the Chiefs that the Bills win this game. Because, yes, I think the Texans have a much better chance to beat Baltimore than Pittsburgh does. But... I mean, Kansas City was a Kadarius Tony offensive offsides penalty away from beating them a month ago. And that's with... That's with the old formula, too, with the formula that wasn't working. That was the case. So now you transplant, based on what we've seen from Buffalo down the stretch, you transplant this new style of football where you're really just allowing your defense to make big plays to set you up. Buffalo turn, Josh Allen turns the ball over too much. Like, you, the Chiefs' defense could really do something special there. You know you're willing to kick field goals. You go on the road, you're probably playing in bad weather, right? Field goals sound pretty good to me. Running the ball sounds pretty good to me. I just don't know that I'm not convinced Buff, Buffalo's a worse matchup for Kansas City than Houston is. Home or, you know, throw throw out throw. And again, a lot of this happens because I think that the the Chiefs style travels just like I don't know that yeah. this is the year. Like you're always going to have home field advantage. But I think this year for the Chiefs Anyway, like just speaking about the Chiefs, it's it matters less than it ever has mattered because that's not the way they need to play. They need to do like running the ball doesn't matter if the crowd's loud, right? Kicking a field goal doesn't matter if the crowd is loud. Those things that they're going to need to do to get there doesn't really matter where they're playing. On top of that, also, I'm not sure there are very many quarterbacks right right now, right this second that I would take over C.J. Stroud. And it's kind of been that way for (laughs) that's for sure you know, the last month, month and a half or so, like he, yeah. he came on really, really strong and had a phenomenal playoff game against Cleveland. And and that's against a Browns defense that has been highly regarded all season long and Stroud shredded them. So, you know, I think that that's also something to keep in mind for sure. You know, I think that if you're looking at just the next game, yeah, you might want to play it at home. I get that. I understand all of that playing it at home against Houston, but man, the path to a Super Bowl, it might be better to go on the road at Buffalo next weekend. I'm surprised you agree with me on that. I thought you'd call me an idiot, but big picture, I think it's better for the Chiefs that the Bills win tonight. I really do. Uh, You got that game, Bills 10-point favorites. Bucks are three-point favorites, no A.J. Brown. Uh, I'm on Bills and Bucks tonight for the record. All right, let's come back. We'll tell you what's on the network today. We'll wrap it up. We knew this was going to be a crazy Monday. It'll be a crazy Tuesday, too. We'll tell you what's coming tonight, though, next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. 
And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.